Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I walk the trails. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The park with a heavy heart, my footsteps echoing the burden of my past. As a dedicated park ranger named Larry, I had dedicated my life to preserving this vast wilderness, but my personal journey had been marred by tragedy. A single father and widower, I carried the weight of loss on my shoulders, a constant reminder of the fragility of life. One fateful day, as I ventured into the depths of the park, my attention was drawn to a hidden alcove tucked away amidst the towering trees. Curiosity peaked. I cautiously approached, sensing there was something more to discover. Nestled within the moss-covered rocks, I discovered a weathered box containing a collection of old audio tapes. Intrigued and filled with a mix of apprehension and curiosity, I dusted off the tapes and found a vintage tape player to listen to the mysterious recordings. As the haunting melodies and static-filled whispers filled the air, I embarked on a journey into darkness, unaware of the secrets that awaited me. The audio recordings told tales of a long-lost camper, a young woman who had vanished without a trace, 
the chilling accounts described encounters with a creature, a monstrous being resembling a big foot-like creature lurking in the depths of the forest. The creature had claimed the lives of over 20 unsuspecting campers, leaving a trail of fear and mystery in its wake. As the tapes played on, the puzzle pieces began to fall into place, and the truth emerged from the depths of the woods. The voice from tape said exact coordinates of where this creature was. The sinister presence I had sensed was real, a creature of unimaginable power and darkness. It had slumbered for years, hidden from the world, but now it awakened once more, hungering for blood and vengeance. Haunted by the past and driven by a sense of duty, I knew I had to confront my own demons and uncover the truth before history repeated itself. Armed with my ranger skills and an unwavering determination, I delved deeper into the darkness, desperate to protect both the visitors and the fragile balance of nature. Night after night, I patrolled the park, my senses heightened, searching for signs of the creature's presence. With each step, the weight of responsibility grew heavier, as the lives of countless campers hung in the balance. I followed the trail of tragedy and fear, determined to bring an end to the creature's reign of terror. As the final battle drew near, my heart raced with a mixture of fear and resolve. I stood on the precipice, ready to face the creature that had haunted my dreams and claimed the lives of the innocent. In the heart of the forest, amidst the deafening silence, I confronted the beast, knowing that my own survival was not guaranteed. In a fierce struggle, we clashed. The creature's inhuman strength pitted against my determination to protect those I held dear. With every ounce of strength, I fought back, unleashing a storm of courage and resilience. The battle raged on, nature's fury echoing our struggle. In a moment of desperate determination, I managed to find a weakness in the creature's defenses. With a swift strike, I wounded the beast near its heart, eliciting a guttural roar of pain. It retreated, vanishing into the shadows, wounded but not defeated. As the sun rose over the park, casting its gentle glow upon the battered landscape, I emerged victorious, the savior of the woods. But the scars of battle ran deep not only on the surface, but within my soul. I had confronted the darkness, faced my own demons, and ensured that the tragedy of the past would not be repeated. With renewed purpose, I continued my role as a dedicated park ranger, protecting the visitors from both the seen and unseen dangers that lurked within the wilderness. And as I watched over the serene beauty of the park, a glimmer of hope emerged reminding me that even in the face of darkness, light could prevail. I was camping with my buddy, and we pulled into a campsite in the middle of nowhere. For some reason, there was an oil painting of a woman at this campsite. Thought that was weird, but whatever, it's the woods, right? We go to bed that night in the bed of my truck. At some point, my buddy wakes halfway up and goes, what the F is that? I, thinking it was just an animal or something, tell him to stew and go back to sleep. Next morning, we wake up, and there are small barefoot footprints all around our camp. Like a small girl or child had wandered up to the window, I take the cab of my truck all around camp and left. And I know they showed up that night because they wear over my tire marks in the dirt. 
As we snoop around camp, we notice drag marks in the dirt. Try to follow them, but they eventually disappear. Who the if was snooping around my camp at all hours of the night? I got baked off my face on a hike in Palm Springs. Made a wrong turn on the descent and wound up going down a much steeper part of the mountain. As I know to always keep my head on a swivel out in nature, I was on high alert, looking up roughly 100 yards or meters away. Thing Big Head pokes out, and it's a mountain lion. I immediately thought, oh, this is where I die. Then some of the Dave Attenborough nature specials I watched kicked in. They are typically skittish, unless they perceive you as prey. So I made myself bigger with my arms up, growling as I continued to go down the mountain. It just kept moving side to side, observing me. I watched it every two steps I took. Eventually, it gave up on me, and I was able to will myself down. Going in the ADK, a couple of peaks, forget when, other than during active bear season. When settling down for the evening night, another hiker was camped about 100 feet from me. I was looking at him go, cooking salmon, sitting in his tent entrance, brushing his teeth, and spitting it out on his tent's doorstep, along with the cooking leftover liquids, left food out, etc. I'm being cautious in putting stuff away, like 200 feet away from my tent. We chat and tell him about bear prevention. Blah, blah, blah. Middle of the night, bear noises and growls and screaming in the whole nine yards. Everything clams down, and I go back to sleep. In the morning, the other guy had barely slept. His tent was torn apart. Had a surprise visit overnight. So I was camping with about five friends at this lake on the first night on a backpacking trip. There was a different group of backpackers camping across the lake. When night fell, my group went to bed rather early while the group across the lake was being loud and having themselves a good time. About an hour later, right as I was nodding off, a gunshot went off really close to our camp. Within 100 feet, it was a pitch-black moonless light. We all stuck our heads out from our tents saying what the hell was that while looking for flashlight from the person who did it and listening for noises. We never saw the light or heard anything. The group across the lake immediately stopped being loud and went to be bed ASAP, probably thinking it was our way of telling them to shut up. We never found out who shot the gun. Not disturbing per se, but left me feeling uneasy. My boyfriend and I were coming down the peak of a day-long mountain hike when we passed a group of young girls going up towards the summit. We make it further down the trail as the sun is starting to set and the chill is setting in and we start to get nervous thinking about them and how unprepared they looked. Olga pants and crop tops. No warm clothes or backpacks. I was in terrible shape, so when, when we finally got back to the parking lot late in the evening, there was just our car and one other car left, which we assume had to be theirs. The next morning, we have a bad feeling and a sense of guilt, and we go back to the parking lot and see that the same car is still there. 
My boyfriend calls the rangers and lets them know the whole story and describe the girls. They honestly didn't seem very concerned, and we never heard any more info after that. I still worry about those girls and hope they are okay. My name is Frank Kay, and I've always been a skeptic when it comes to anything unexplained. That was until I was taken to a site where a hunter was charged by a creature he claimed to be a seven and a half-foot Bigfoot. This experience has left me questioning everything I thought I knew. It all started when my friend, a fellow hunter, called me up and insisted that I come with him to the location where he had experienced something terrifying. He said that he had shot a buck, but before he could even approach it, a massive creature emerged from the woods and charged at him. He barely managed to escape, and he wanted me to see the evidence for myself. I agreed to go with him, mostly out of curiosity and the assumption that he must have been exaggerating or mistaken about what he saw. We packed our gear and headed out to the site. As we arrived, I noticed a strange tension in the air a feeling I couldn't quite put my finger on. My friend led me to the spot where he had shot the buck, and what I saw there left me speechless. The deer was mutilated, its body broken in ways that seemed unnatural and brutal. Nearby, there were broken trees and tracks that didn't resemble any animal I'd had ever seen. To top it off, the deer carcass was partially covered with sticks, as if someone or something had tried to hide it. My friend, visibly shaken, recounted his experience with the creature. He said it looked like a mix between a man and a dog with massive hulking limbs and a snarling canine-like face. He called it a dogman, a term I had never heard before. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, but the evidence in front of me was hard to ignore. As we investigated the site further, we noticed a pungent, musky smell in the air. It was then that we heard a low growl echoing through the woods. My friend and I exchanged worried glances, suddenly aware that we were not alone. We decided it was best to leave the area immediately, not wanting to risk another encounter with the dogman. That day changed everything for me. I've spent countless hours researching dogman sightings and encounters since then, trying to understand what we experienced. It was an early Saturday morning, and I found myself at the Malala River campsite, about 20 miles south of Malala, Oregon. I was there with a group of friends from the local TV station, filming a piece on the great outdoors and the beauty of the Pacific Northwest. Little did I know that our tranquil weekend getaway would soon turn into a harrowing experience that none of us would ever forget. We had spent the day hiking, fishing, and enjoying the scenic beauty of the area. As the sun began to set, we gathered around the campfire, sharing stories and laughter late into the night. Eventually, one by one, we retreated to our tents, exhausted from a long day of adventure. I woke suddenly around three or four in the morning, disoriented and unsure of what had roused me from my slumber. That's when I heard it, a low guttural growling sound that seemed to come from just outside my tent. I lay there frozen in fear, my heart pounding in my chest as I tried to make sense of the noise. Then I heard the screams, 
I scrambled out of my sleeping bag and rushed outside, only to see that the tent belonging to some of my TV crew friends was being violently shaken by an unseen force. The growling grew louder, and I could hear the terror in my friends' voices as they cried out for help. Gathering my courage, I picked up a nearby flashlight and shone it towards the tent. The shaking stopped abruptly, and I caught a glimpse of a large, dark figure retreating into the shadows of the forest. The growling faded away, leaving an eerie silence in its wake. My friends emerged from their tent, visibly shaken and pale. They told me that they had been awoken by the growling and had felt something powerful and menacing pressing against their tent, as if trying to get inside. We couldn't determine what had attacked them, but we knew we needed to leave the campsite immediately. As the first light of dawn broke through the darkness, we hastily packed our belongings and made our way back to civilization. I worked as a ranger in Northern Carolina for well over 20 years. I've had my fair share of weird happenings and some gruesome ones, too. I found multiple dead bodies during my time working there. All of the killers were luckily brought to justice by the police. But it's not the killings that got me to quit my job and never come back. It was something a little more unexplainable. Something so weird, in fact, that I sometimes still wonder if it was all just a dream or vision or indeed a real event. I'll tell you exactly what I saw from the beginning. It was the middle of August, and the sun was scorching the ground with its rays. Not many people visited during the day for obvious reasons. I hated when I had to leave my guard hut to make a tour of the park. That would usually include a lot of sweating and feeling like somebody is roasting you in a pan. I was already pretty beat during my first two hours drinking more than enough water to try and keep hydrated. As it was already time to go out for the third and final tour of the day, because for the next shift another ranger was going to replace me, I went on a walk. About halfway through, I started feeling dizzy and a little lost. I felt weaker and weaker up until I could not stand anymore. I sat under a nearby tree to try and get some rest and regain strength, but the sun and heat were too strong. I began seeing things and just felt a little too real. The tall, shadowy figures began emerging from behind trees, walking slowly and aimlessly. I couldn't move or breathe properly, so I just sat there staring back at them. In a minute, there were so many of them, I lost count, and more began emerging straight from the ground. I was confident that I had had a severe sunstroke. They didn't seem to pay any attention to me at first. They just wandered around and let out horrific screams of pain like somebody being cooked alive. Just then, one of those figures had noticed me, slowly making its way. It was over eight feet tall, so it had to crouch down to get close to me. I was petrified but I didn't possess the strength to do anything. The figure didn't stop screaming for a split second either. It just crouched next to me and put its hand on my cheek. I started to burn. I lost consciousness. Other rangers found me passed out on the ground about an hour later, getting me to an ambulance. I was relieved for a minute, but when I got up from the bed, I saw that red burning handprint. It terrified me so much I had to resign. None of my bosses or colleagues ever believed me. I guess I can't say I blame them. 
I have worked many different jobs in my lifetime. Starting as a janitor, I worked on a farm for about two years. At one point later, as a PI teacher in a high school, I was even an officer before eventually moving to New Jersey and eventually getting a job as a park ranger in the Pine Barrens. I'd moved to New Jersey to be closer to my family. The job didn't seem to be hard. I'd work four days a week and I would spend all my time in the park. The other three would be my days off. Now I haven't worked for the park for a very long time and I'm about to tell you why. I think I lasted a year and maybe even less than that. I had a series of very strange things happen to me there and the final straw made me quit my job as soon as I got the chance. I began working at Pine Barrens in April of that year. I was introduced to the job in the park by the park services. The place is humongous. It stretches over the area that is 22% of New Jersey. My job was to patrol a certain area, make sure everything was in order. If you've ever visited the Pine Barrens, you would know that abandoned buildings and towns are scattered throughout the park. I would clock in on a Tuesday, work through to Friday and Saturday through Monday. The first couple of weeks went smooth. I was getting familiar with the woods and my route. The third week was when my first spooky experience happened. It was Thursday evening. I was going my regular route. The park was buzzing with nature sounds. There were no people anywhere that I'd run into that day. I know that sometimes kids like to wander the park at night, looking for ghosts or just a secluded place to hang, but I had not seen any of them either. I was taking little mental notes of my surroundings, and I noticed the humming and buzzing. I couldn't tell where it was coming from at first. I looked around for a few minutes and still nothing. The noise was beginning to get closer, which is when I realized it was sneering me from above. I looked up and saw three bright lights moving in a circle, almost as if they were spiraling down towards me. Instinctively, I ducked and ran as fast as I could. It probably ran for a couple hundred feet before turning around to see the lights were still there. They were not. There was no humming now either. I dropped to the ground trying to gather my composite and catch my breath. I also tried to make sense of what had happened five minutes prior. I do believe in aliens, even though I never had an encounter before. I had no clue what else it could have been. So, I kind of been in agreement with myself. Those were aliens. And I wouldn't think about that anymore. And it was okay for a while. I've never seen those lights after that. My second experience happened about five months after I began working in the park. I was again going on my regular route. It was now about 7 p.m. And at this point, since it was October, the sun was getting very low in the sky. And it was getting dark. The route was clear. Everything seemed to be in order until I noticed something lurking behind the trees about a hundred yards away from me. At first it looked like a person, maybe a man about five, seven. I thought it might have been some college kid playing a prank trying to scare me. I saw his shoulder peeking behind a tree. I yelled out that nobody is allowed to be in the woods this late in this time of year. He didn't move. Only after I shouted the third time, he had finally moved in front of the tree. I could take a good look at him. When I saw him, I nearly had a heart attack. He was dressed in dirty, torn-up clothing, but the most disturbing thing about him was his head, or lack of one, I should say. I looked at him, not knowing if I should ask what he was, what happened to him, or just bolt out of there as fast as I could. 
I didn't either. For a solid three minutes, I froze. Even though I noticed he had begun moving closer to me, I still could not lift a finger. He started running up to me. As he was getting closer, I realized he was also translucent. This was a poltergeist. Now, when it comes to an alien, I'm a believer. When it comes to ghosts, however, I was very skeptical and sarcastic at times that anybody would talk about ghosts or demons or any alleged paranormal activity. I moved to the right a couple of steps as he was running straight at me and he just vanished. I turned around to see where he had gone, but there was no trace of him, only a vapory trail of mist, just what looked like a cloud of dust almost settling. After that second incident, I decided that all my love for nature in the outdoors, and as much as I loved being a ranger, staying here was not worth it. This hot mess of a place was not worth me going literally insane for, trying to keep working there. I called in the next day and explained the situation. They told me that something like this had already happened for their previous rangers. They tried to convince me to stay on the job for longer and doubled my pay, but I refused. I would not risk losing my own mind. Back in 2003, I was part of a seasoned hunting troop of 21 people. We were out in the wilderness looking for elk. Our journey led us to a cave near a national park, an unexpected finding on our hunting expedition. As we ventured into the cave, something peculiar started happening. Our flashlights flickered erratically, and the GPS devices we carried for navigation began to malfunction. The cave was more than just an empty hole in the mountainside. We discovered a hidden tunnel, a small, obscured passageway that led to an expansive cavern. The moment we entered the cavern, a chilling sensation washed over us. The air felt heavy, charged with an oppressive presence that caused an inexplicable surge of fear in even the bravest amongst us. Our instincts screamed at us to leave, but the explorer in us kept us rooted. Then we saw it. The figure, tall and pale, a grotesque distortion of the human form, standing at the edge of our light's reach. Its eyes glowed a sinister red, piercing the darkness, locking onto us. Panic seized us, a raw, primal terror that overrode all sense of reason. We turned tail and fled, driven by the overwhelming need to escape. In the years that followed, my fellow hunters, one by one, fell ill. They all succumbed to different forms of cancer, as if whatever we had encountered in that cave had marked us cursed us. I am the sole survivor carrying the memory of that terrifying encounter. The records of our hunting expedition were lost, probably destroyed, leaving no trace of our encounter with the unknown. But I know what we saw, what we experienced. It was real, as real as the deaths of my fellow hunters, as real as the fear that still haunts me. A few years back, my two friends and I embarked on a casual hike to a well-known spot in our area. It was a stunning 150-foot waterfall, a rewarding sight after an uphill trek of about 45 minutes. This particular day, instead of heading directly to the waterfall, we decided to go bouldering around its base. The area was brimming with intriguing rock formations and tranquil pools formed by the waterfall's runoff. 
This bouldering trail was off the beaten path, not something many hikers ventured onto from the main trail. As we navigated the rocky landscape, we came across a chilling sight. A young woman, just 22 years old, lying face down in the mud. Both her legs were grotesquely broken, bone piercing through skin and what were clearly compound fractures. She had no cell phone, no water, no food, and no means to keep warm. Immediately, we dialed 911 and shared our limited supplies with her while we waited for help to arrive. It felt like ages before we heard the distant thrum of a helicopter. Soon, a rescue team swooped in, securing her for transport and flying her off to the nearest hospital. Later, we learned the harrowing details of her story. The previous night, she had been hiking with a friend when they both plummeted from the waterfall. Her friend, attempting to seek help, unfortunately succumbed to his injuries less than 100 yards from where we discovered the young woman. No one knew of their accident, her injuries, or even their presence in that part of the trail. The thought of what she endured during those twenty agonizing hours alone in the wilderness still sends chills down my spine. It was nothing short of a miracle that she survived. Our decision to veer off the main trail that day, it turned out to be a life-saving one. I encountered an unknown intelligent humanoid. I pulled into my driveway in Fernandina Beach, Florida, around 9 p.m. on the evening of September 6, 2022. It was very dark out, with no cars or streetlights nearby. I stopped my car and turned it off. I then opened my door and stood up to exit the vehicle. As I stood up, I saw something difficult to describe. With the car door still open, I saw what looked like some kind of cloaked creature walking around the corner of the house from the backyard. It was hard to see. It looked like the shadow of a human-sized creature. It was totally black and moved like a person walking upright. It blocked out what was behind it, and I could really only see the distortion it caused. The distortion had wavy edges as if it was surrounded by energy. I could make out its head and shoulders, but only in vague form. The humanoid took several steps, and at that instant I thought to myself, What is that? It stopped dead in its tracks and appeared to look right at me. At this time I was scared to death that this creature had noticed me and was looking right at me. After a few seconds of looking at each other, the creature turned and walked back around behind the house, and I never saw it again. The entire encounter lasted about 20 seconds. I thought for months it was a ghost or demon, as my grandmother often told stories of seeing ghosts. Only recently have I begun to think it was an intelligent creature with a technology that was inexplicable. After the encounter, I got back into my car and drove to my roommate's work and waited for him to get off work and come home with me. This was the most terrifying experience I've ever had. This is the second unknown encounter I've had. For years, I believed that encounters like these were just reported by crazy people. I now believe that we are clearly not alone and not the smartest or most technologically advanced creatures on this planet and beyond. I have seen where you write and report about various humanoids and other unexplained beings. What are your thoughts? I reported this encounter to Mufon. But I was ignored. Thanks for your time.
My buddy and I were on our way to Peoria, which is about an hour and a half away. No one is around. It's one of those real clear nights. Warm summer night happened in June. Anyway, we're going along. Nobody around us. Around 11.45 at night, if I remember right. We're driving, going about 55 miles per hour. We're in the right-hand lane. In the left-hand lane appears out of its own mist, a green figure about seven feet tall. You know what it had on, a cape with no face. Can't tell if it's fat or skinny. And it's standing still in the left-hand lane, and it doesn't budge. With its arms draped out side to side, it was the Grim Reaper. It was the only thing I could think of. I used to laugh at people who would tell me about the Grim Reaper. Right when I was thinking, that was the Grim Reaper and kept it to myself. My buddy says, what was that? And I thought Grim Reaper in my mind, and he said it out loud. And I looked at him with a straight face, and I said, yeah, it was. That was the summertime in June, and I'll never forget it like it happened yesterday. That thing was at least seven feet tall. Never saw it again. Never want to see it again. But it was as real as you and I talking right now. So on watch one night, me and my buddy were joking around. We were given strict orders not to go beyond the ECP for any reason. Seems fair. Well, about 20 minutes into the watch, we both start shivering, despite it being a warm and humid night. Maybe another 15 minutes and we hear a blood-curdling scream from the woods about 10 yards from the post. I'm talking, it sounded like a woman was being stabbed. Over and over again. It was at least 10 seconds of straight screaming. When morning came around, we asked, and we were told no one was out, and no one was supposed to be in the area except for our guys. I'll tell you a story that has left me both perplexed and fascinated. It involves a young preteen boy named John, who hailed from a local farming family. One fateful day, while he was out in the fields, John vanished without a trace. The entire village rallied together in a frantic search, desperately hoping to find any clue as to his whereabouts. However, despite their efforts, John remained elusive, and his family endured the unbearable agony of his absence. Then, in a twist of fate that seemed almost miraculous, four years after his disappearance, John inexplicably reappeared at the farmhouse. Strangely, he appeared virtually unchanged, as if only a single day had passed since his vanishing. Understandably, John found it immensely difficult to comprehend the passage of time that his parents insisted had transpired during his absence. As he recounted his extraordinary tale, it became clear that his experiences during those lost years were far from ordinary. According to John, he had been accosted by a group of peculiar little men while he was in the field. Their actions rendered him completely senseless, and when he regained consciousness, he found himself in a mysterious land unlike anything he had ever seen before. Frustratingly, he could not provide a coherent explanation of this new realm, but he insisted that the enigmatic little man possessed the ability to show him glimpses of his family's lives. 
During his time in captivity, John was able to describe in vivid detail certain events that had taken place in his family's absence. He spoke of their visits to Ramsey Corn Market and other activities that he had witnessed from this perplexing land. However, despite his desperate attempts to communicate with his family, all his efforts were in vain. He existed as a mere observer, unable to directly interact with his loved ones, despite his ghost-like endeavors to reach out to them. To John's dismay, he lost all sense of time during his sojourn in that mysterious realm. Days, months, and years merged into a bewildering blur, leaving him disoriented and disconnected from the flow of time that governed his family's life. Then one day he awakened in a peculiar spot, far removed from the company of the little men who had held him captive. Sensing their absence, he seized the opportunity to make his way home, gradually regaining his senses as he journeyed back to the farmhouse. Although still groggy from his ordeal, John's relief upon finding his family again was immeasurable. To this day, John remains unable to provide a satisfactory explanation for the inexplicable events he experienced. The enigma surrounding his disappearance and subsequent return has left both him and those who hear his story astounded and bewildered. The tale of John's bewildering odyssey serves as a reminder of the unfathomable mysteries that exist beyond the confines of our everyday reality, forever challenging our understanding of the world around us. My friends and I were around 13, 14 years old. An old abandoned house was on a dirt road about two, three kilometers from where we grew up. We checked out the house and realized it was packed with marijuana plants and what looked like a sophisticated operation. We ran away, but two of my friends went back wanting to steal the marijuana. I knew this was occurring, but chose to stay home. When they were inside, the owner or operator came into the house with a rifle. My friends hid in the closet. He passed directly by the closet with a rifle. He spent about ten minutes looking around the house, and then he left. They then departed the house and ran home through the woods. They did think they might have been shot that day, and they never did see his face. For me personally, if you're out in the woods or in an abandoned facility, and you see in drug operation, run! I found myself lounging near the tranquil shores of Phaleron, a place known for its romantic allure. Lost in contemplation, I stood upon the rugged rocks. My gaze fixated on the vast expanse of the sea. It was in this moment that a peculiar sight caught my attention. Glancing to my right, I spotted two young men perched upon the rocks, not far from where I stood. They possessed an imposing stature, towering above the average man. Curiosity peaked. I directed my gaze towards them, only to discover that they were observing the stars through a large square object of extraordinary brightness. Its radiance was nearly blinding, and as I observed it with astonishment, a breathtaking spectacle unfolded before my eyes. Mars, the red planet, materialized before me in vivid detail, as if a grand performance were unfolding on a theater stage. The two strangers engaged in intricate finger movements and seemed to communicate with the inhabitants of Mars. 
Astonishingly, the people of this distant world responded in a language unfamiliar to my ears. I beheld women and girls of ethereal beauty, tall and graceful, their captivating forms etching themselves into the depths of my memory. Birds of vibrant plumage flitted about, alighting upon the shoulders of these celestial maidens. I bore witness to a multitude of mesmerizing sights and heard melodies of unparalleled loveliness. After some time, the two strangers averted their gaze from the planet, and in the blink of an eye, Mars resumed its place in the firmament, just as it had always been. Overwhelmed by the encounter, I approached the enigmatic duo. As they caught sight of me, they shifted their positions and politely asked if I could spare a light. I offered them matches and cigars, which they graciously accepted. In return, they bestowed upon me a single cigar, claiming to have acquired it in Cuba the day before. To my bewilderment, I informed them that Cuba lay over 4,000 miles away. Undeterred, the two men calmly stated that they hailed from the planet Mars. Intrigued, I listened intently as they proceeded to unveil an extraordinary narrative of civilizations thriving on the distant planet. They spoke of ancient conflicts between various Martian factions, describing their adversaries as the Pelagians. Eventually, the Pelasgians were vanquished and the survivors fled in airships, eventually landing in the northwestern region of Greece, which we now know as Albania. These refugees, it seemed, were the original settlers of Greece. Furthermore, the Martians revealed that Earth civilization in the year 1905 lagged behind Mars by a staggering 100,000 years. They claimed that war had not plagued Mars for over 200,000 years, and astonishingly, they had unraveled the secret of immortality. According to these extraordinary beings, electricity held the key to eternal life. Each morning, the Martians would supposedly nourish themselves with electricity as a potent antidote against death. To my astonishment, they even proclaimed that the revered philosophers, Socrates and Demosthenes, were not mere figures of history, but currently lived on Mars, flourishing in their immortal existence. Soon the shrill sound of a whistle pierced the air, emanating from one of the Martians who introduced himself as Telemachus, while his companion went by the name Phidias. In response to the signal, two robust men emerged from a nearby boat, leaping fearlessly into the waters that plunged to depths of no less than sixty feet. Strapped to their feet were elongated skates fashioned from glistening yellow metal, affixed with sturdy wires. This remarkable contraption enabled the Martians to glide safely across the water's surface. Captivated by this mesmerizing display, I found myself ushered aboard a magnificent floating airship. Within its opulent confines, we dined together, and it was there that I learned of their primary objective on Earth, to meet the renowned inventor Edison in relation to a recent invention that could potentially prove fatal for humanity. Eventually, the time came for me to bid farewell to my extraordinary Martian companions. They escorted me back to the shore, where we parted ways, our encounter etched deeply into the fabric of my memory. It was about 8 p.m., and I was driving home after dropping a friend off at her house. I came to an intersection, a red light, and stopped. Nothing out of the normal, 
just a regular night. The roads were fairly deserted. While waiting for the light to change, I saw something that looked like the back end of a deer as it quickly crossed the street. I didn't think much of it except for the fact that when I drive through there, I have to be careful because deer apparently like to jump in front of cars. That stretch of road is only a couple hundred feet posted at 40 miles per hour. I slowed to about 30-35 miles per hour to watch and look at the deer. When I looked to see if the deer was still there, I witnessed something quite a bit different. This massive thing was standing back a ways, but it was clearly visible. The yard it was standing in has a huge white shed with a light attached to the front, though. This didn't help because it cast a big shadow. The figure stood on the ground, but its height reached to about the top of the doors to the shed. It had two curved-like masses coming from the sides. But the most obvious feature were the deep red glowing eyes coming from the center of the black mass. It was something I couldn't stop looking at. I continued to drive, but all the way home I felt I was being followed. I'd like to share an experience my friend and I have unfortunately been dragged into. At approximately 10.30 p.m. tonight, I received an instant message from my friend about a rather disturbing encounter she had. She had reported she saw the Mothman. I sent her several messages back asking if she was all right, if she was there, etc. She eventually sent me a text message with a picture that she drew of the creature attached. By this point, I was literally getting sick and trembling due to anxiety and fright. We began talking about it, and I noticed a tapping at my window, a very light kind of sound. My dogs both jerked their heads upward and stared at the window for a long time. Being in the state I was in, I refused to look. For a while, the tapping stopped. She and I continued to discuss the matter at hand. Suddenly, the tapping began again, but this time the dogs ignored it, and so did I. About four or five minutes later, I fought the urge to stare at my computer monitor and looked at my window. My blinds were closed, but I could faintly see something red and glowing, like daylights that had somehow made their way into the neighbor's backyard. I quickly looked away, not wanting to see it anymore. I looked again a couple minutes later, unnerved to see the red glow was still there. Again, I looked away and continued discussing this with my friend. Finally, I turned my head one final time and saw that the glow no longer remained. As I'm typing this email, I'm really worried, as the tapping has begun again and I'm really too afraid to move from this position. Above this, I've included my friend's side of the story, and should you post this, we would certainly appreciate if you could put them both into one piece. We discussed calling the police, but she didn't want to make a big deal about it. Her parents brushed it off, and I have yet to tell anyone in my house about this. I'm not sure what this was, a frightening delusion or a real situation, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to face the facts and find out. Thanks for your time. Well, both my friend and I live closer to Middletown, Ohio. There was another encounter I had shortly after. I had sent the email, and I kept forgetting that I had sent it. I had walked out of my room to wash my face, try and calm myself down, etc. And my brother's room is directly across the hall from mine. 
I looked straight ahead, and it was looking right through the window of his room. That's the picture I had sent. I stared at it for a while, feeling kind of cold, and then feeling really scared, and I finally pulled my eyes away and went about my business. When I came out of my bathroom, I didn't look in the direction of his room. My friend reported that what she saw had more oblique-shaped eyes and looked kind of angry. I wasn't too sure about that hypothesis. While mine had large, round eyes and seemed kind of curious or something, Sorry I didn't include that in the original message. Like I said, this happened after I sent the email, and I keep assuming had included it when I hadn't. Other than the weird sightings, there wasn't any strange activity I can recall.